All right, Chinch, we're back, baby. What's up, bro? We're back. Episode 15, we're rolling. We're high rolling, baby. And this one, this is going to be a good one, bro. This is one of my favorite people of all time, one of my favorite teammates of all time, okay? I mean, let me break it down before we get to him because he's, you know, he's going to start yapping away. 2007 Rookie of the Year, boom, that's in the books. 2008 AL MVP, bam, that's when I played with him, one of the best in the game. Four-time All-Star, four-time Gold Glover, five seasons in the top ten in hits, led the league in hits in 08 with 213. Now, that's tough to do because I raked one year and had 197. I'm like, who gets 200 hits? This guy does, right? Led the league in doubles with 54 and 08, eight seasons with at least 33 doubles. That's raking. Led the league in runs in 08 and 09. Never struck out more than 85 times in a game, not in a season. Now, that's big because guys are striking out 200 sometimes a year now, and everyone's like, hey, that's cool. That's not cool. That's not cool. Uh, 138 career stolen bases, which was great because you, you look at this guy, you're like, he's not that fast. No, he was fast. Go check the numbers, okay? Bottom line. <laughs> and uh, what else? What else? Oh, Petey, I got one other thing. Um, <laughs> 624 walks, 654 Ks, only 30 more Ks than walks. My man, one of the greatest second basemen in baseball history, Dustin Pedroia. Yeah, yeah man. Yeah. What's up, Petey? <laughs> What's up, guys? What's Thanks up, for having me on. Dustin, oh, I, by the way, just so you know, Sean was more nervous. We've had Johnny Bench on and stuff. He was so nervous to talk to you today. He's so excited about this. <laughs> well, no, it's more. Yeah, it's my, more my presence is overwhelming. Let's be honest. <laughs> <laughs> It was more excitement, baby. It was more yeah, excitement than anything. Oh, well, hey, yeah. Petey, the greatest thing was, you know, getting on this podcast. You know, Chinch and I, we're still, we're still, we, when we started this thing, we, we were, we were more ready, fire, aim. We're like, we don't know what we're doing, but we're going to figure it out, right, as we go. Yeah. And today, we couldn't get you on, and, and you did what, what <laughs> any good big leaguer would do. You made the adjustment, because life's a game of adjustments, and bam, you went from the laptop to the phone. Yep, iPhone. I don't know how to operate a computer. My Arizona State education is not too sharp. <laughs> I said, you know what? Screw it. I'll do this on this one-inch device. So I'm locked <laughs> in. Oh, I love it, dude. I love it. So, Petey, talk to me, brother. Man, I mean, you know, you got three sons. What? Dylan, Cole, and Brooks, right? Yep. And you're, you're, you're home now, Kelly with Kelly and the family. And you're the one guy, bro, that I played with my whole career. I was like, Oh my God, this guy lives, breathes baseball. Like, I don't know what's going to happen to Petey when his career is over. So talk to me, yep. man. How's everything going with you right now? I'm good, man. It's, you know, the, obviously the last few years with my injuries and uh, knee injury and stuff like that, I, uh, I had a knee replacement. So, you know, I got that taken care of. So now I'm walking around. I'm, I'm feeling good. I'm coaching my, my middle son's uh, baseball team, the Dirt Dogs. We're, we're, uh, we're uh, going to be a 10U team. He's, he's turning nine next month. We're pounding people. You know, it's, it's a textbook. Uh, my oldest son, he's playing club basketball and, and flag football. And then my little guy plays everything, soccer, basketball, baseball, football. Um, so I'm coaching the boys. I'm loving it, man. It's, it's good. I mean, you know, from being, being away during the season and, and mm. missing the, the most important times of your kids' lives, I mean, that's, yeah. you know, it's great. I, I'm enjoying being home and being in their lives and, and, and doing all I can to help them out. What as a, as a coach for your kids? Like I know I, I have two boys. That one my my one's in college. My next one's about to go to college. Like and coaching them all the way up, bro. Like I I got asked to be the hitting coach a couple of times for some major league. Teams. I was like I'm a hitting coach for the 12, 12 and under travel yep. all star team in St. Clair. Like that's really all I care about. Like like what has been like the coolest thing for you coaching your kids? Like what what being in it with them? Um. Well, when I got back and started up, you know, it, it, it's kind of crazy because right now, you know, everyone's playing these club ball tournament, you know, the tournaments every weekend. And my son's eight and they're playing big league rules. And I didn't play big league rules until. Yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> so the big, league. big league rules until I was on a, on a big field at 13. So yeah. I'm trying to teach these kids how to play a major league game at age oh eight. God. You know, so obviously I'm, I'm I have to have patience. You know, I have to understand that they're young. Um, you know, I want to teach them life lessons, how to be a good teammate, how to respect the game. You know, I mean, we, we were playing a game, we were blowing a team out and I shut, you know, obviously you shut running down, you know, cause I'm coming from, you know, if you do that in, in the big leagues, your life is on the line. Someone's going to be killed. So, you know, I tell my son, I'm like, Hey, I, I, I don't coach the bases. I yelled at our first base coach and said, Hey, no running. And my son looked at me and says, we're stepping on their throat. Let's go. And I'm like, this guy's nuts. Like, 
So I, I tell him, you know, you run right now. I'm going to go over there. I'll tackle you halfway, you know. <laughs> I'm trying to teach my eight-year-old son, hey, listen, when you're up big, you know, there's in baseball, you know, there's the sense of sportsmanship of, wait, we're not trying to run it up on anybody. We're trying to respect the game, respect your opponent. And, and th this guy's mindset is, hey, I'm trying to steal. You know, I don't want four hits. I want five. And I'm like, listen, I love it. I had the same mentality, but let's not get anybody killed here, okay? <laughs> that just shows genetics is real, right? <laughs> it is. It is. It is. It is. I the love it. The Dustin, actually, too far, from, too far from the tree, yeah. Which yeah, that brings me a question. You know, you're coaching, but when – what is it like? I ask all of the former players this, like – when your kid comes home from like a practice and like they got the elbow up and like his stance is all screwed up, like how does Dustin Pajoria talk to a coach and be like, "I got this," or do you or do you let them be coached? So here's my philosophy at at their age right now. Um, they're too young for me to teach them mechanics because in two years they're going to be a their body's going to be completely different. They're going to be stronger. They're going to be you know more physical. So. Right now, I'm the only thing I preach off uh, hitting is hand-eye coordination. Put the ball in play. If it's if the ball's you know because it, it's kind of crazy how good these kids are. You know if they pitch you away, hit the ball to right field. If they pitch you in, turn on it. Like I don't I don't get involved in the mechanics. You know everybody's got to they're figuring out their swings right now, and I don't want to be the guy that comes in and goes, hey, everybody's got to hit like this and hit like that because every every hitter's different. You know, Case hit different than I did. You know, so there's not one way to hit and be successful. So I tell all my kids, hey, listen, guys, the goal is put the ball in play, hit the ball where it's pitched, you know, and be aggressive. I, I'm not, trust me, I've seen coaches at this level that are telling the kids to get on the plate and take and, and trying to win games at 9U. And I'm looking at, I, I, tell, I tell all the parents before the year, I said, hey, listen, do we want to win? Hell yeah, we want to win. But I don't care if we win or lose. I go, these kids... I'm preparing them to play baseball as they get older. I'm not the guy that's going to throw a kid 100 pitches. He's going to get his 40 pitches, and he's going to sit on the damn fence all day because I'm not going to ruin the kid's arm at nine years old. Like, it is what it is. If you guys got a problem with it, I'll help you find a new damn team. You know what I mean? So, you know, I, I, I try to teach them the game and prepare them for the games ahead of them. You know, nowadays you enter these tournaments and they're giving out rings, and I'm like, listen, I, that's not a ring, guys. If you want to see rings, come on over to my house. I'll let you polish my tree. Okay? So, you know, awesome. so I'm trying to teach these kids how to play the game the right way and, and as a team and, and, and pick each other up because, you know, you know how it is, Case. When, when you're young, hell, I never even got out. And some of these kids now, they get out, and they're the end of the world. End of the world. And, and, I, and I'm, I'm trying to tell them, hey, listen, that's when you learn how to get better. How'd you get out? What'd you do wrong? And learn from it. We move on. Like it's, you know, everyone's going to get out. Trust me. I've gotten out. Hell, I went 0 for 9 in a big league game. Okay. So I know what the hell it takes to get out. You know, so, you, so hey. they're, they're great kids. They learn. And um, I, I love doing it. Petey, what game was that? You went 0 for 9. Are you serious? Yeah. In 2000, uh, you know, it's funny. I think it was 2009. I went 0 for 9 in Philly. And, and about two weeks, and I was, and I didn't strike out in the game. You know, so I'm telling everybody, I'm like, you know how hard it is to go for nine in a major league game and not strike out? <laughs> I mean, it's like they got 50 infielders and outfielders out there just snatching everything up. Um, but about two weeks later, I had a streak where I went like, I think it was like 11 for 11 and tied the record. So I'm like, what the hell is going on? How do you go 0 for 9? And then a couple weeks later, you, you, you get the most consecutive hits and tie the record in the history of the game. So that's just baseball for you. No, that, that's the greatest thing. That's the greatest thing about the game. That's what I tell my kids all the time. I'm like, listen, this is a game of failure. You've got to learn how to deal with failure because you're never as good as you think you are and you're never as bad as you think you are. So when you're 0 for 9, and I'm sure you had insomnia for like two nights, like, oh, my God, I can't believe I went 0 for 9, put the ball and play yeah. nine times. But then you go 11 for 11. You just can't explain it. That's why it's the greatest game in the world. It's, you've yep. got to just ride the emotional roller coaster. You just you can't go you can't go up and down. You got to be like, okay, I'm 0 for 9, but I bet you didn't know you were going to be 11 for 11 in a week later. <laughs> yeah, no kid. I tell I tell my son all the time. So he he there'll be a game where he can only pull the ball. He's like, Dad, I can't hit the ball the other way. And I'm like, 
Okay, well then guess what? Don't swing at the ball away. Make an adjustment. You know what I mean? So that's how I teach the kids. You know, you, some days you wake up and guess what? You, you can only hit ground balls. You have no bat speed. You got to choke up. I go, guys, that's what baseball is all about. It's a game of adjustments. If you're a one-trick pony and you go up there and, and you're trying to hit bombs every time, I guess what? You ain't going to play for very long. I mean, you see it even now in the big leagues. There's guys hitting 200 with 35 home runs. You don't see them doing it for 10 to 15 years, do you? Mm, They're out mm, of the game. Good point. Mm -hmm. Good point. You know? That, that, yeah, that gets old. That gets old fast. I always say, too, yeah. the guys, I, I can't stand when people say, oh, average doesn't matter. There's no average. Average shows me your productivity in the night out. Yeah. What's your consistency? Because if a guy's hitting 200 with 35 bombs, hey, when are you hitting those bombs? Is it eight to eight to one in the eighth, and you're you got poop soup coming in, and you're going deep off them? Like, you know, you yeah. know what I'm saying? Like, who are you hitting these homers off of? And what I look at is, if a guy's hitting 200, you ain't hitting Mariano Rivera, you ain't hitting Billy Wagner, you're not hitting the big dogs that are coming in late in the game. You're you're an out you're an out to those guys. Yeah, and you're not getting hits. If you hit, usually those guys hitting 200 with 35, they're driving in 50. Right. You, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I go, exactly. you know, the, some of the guys, my, my fo most favorite players, like Mike Lowell one year, I think he he drove in 125, and he hit like 19 home runs. Right. That's hitting. You know what That's I mean? That's hitting. And, and I was yeah. lucky enough to play with Manny and, 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 and David and those guys. Those guys, yeah, they were home run hitters. But David and Manny, they had years where they hit 23 home runs and drove in 140. You know what I mean? Right. Those guys, they can hit. You know, they're right. not one-trick ponies. They're walking. You know, that, in my opinion, those are the hitters that I want to, you know, model myself after and, and, and get better and learn from them, you know, because they're, they're, they're not just going up there with one plan to hit a home run. They're taking what the pitcher gives them, you know, and that's, and that's a part of teaching the game to these young guys that I think a, a, a certain generation has gotten, gotten away from. And, and, you know, we're going to more statistical, you know, launch angle and, all that stuff, which is great, you know. Everybody, there, a stat, all the stats and and the, and the analytics and stuff. That's all great if you do it and use it the right way. You know what I mean? If you have a really flat swing and you need to uh, get some loft in it, yeah, it's gonna make you a better hitter. But if you just go up there and you're a one-trick pony just trying to hit bombs, and I'm five foot eight, 175 pounds, guess what? I'm not gonna play baseball anymore because I can't do that. So I right. need to learn how to hit. Everybody's different. So did you have to make those arguments? Because the, the, probably the towards the second half of your career was when the analytics started getting jammed down everybody's yeah. throats to a degree. Did you have to make those arguments with, like, the analytics teams and all those guys? Well, not really because, I mean, when you think about it, I, a part of the analytics and stats-driven stuff was one of the reasons why I got drafted in the second round. You know, <clears> so I, I, was a, I put up huge numbers in college. I always had more walks and strikeouts. My on-base percentage was great. My, you know, I always hit for a high average. I hit for power because I hit a lot of doubles, so my slugging percentage was high. So I had always been a believer in analytics. But then it changed from that driven to where, hey, if there's a guy in double A, you know, with an OPS of, you know, 860 or whatever, and he's controlling his at-bats, it went away from that to, hey, what's his power numbers? The RBI and run scored completely went away, which that's what I was good at, producing runs. You know, if I hit at the top of the lineup, you could book it. I'm going to score in a major league season 160 to 200 runs. I'm going to create that. And that was my always my stat that I looked at. Hey, if I'm doing this, my on-base percentage will be where it is. My slugging will be where it is. My average will be where it is. So now they're more looking at what is, what is he doing impacting the ball? Is his exit below this? Is his launch angle this? And that has nothing to do with wins and losses. Yeah, you can hit the ball hard. A lot of guys hit a lot of hard ground balls to second base. And guess what I did? I caught them and threw them out at first. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? So it's totally. like, oh, but yeah. he hit the, the, you know, the guy's like, oh, he hit the ball 117 miles an hour. And I started laughing. I'm like, he was breaking in my glove for previous gold gloves I'm going to win, you moron. You know what That's I mean? Awesome. So. Yeah. I, I, I'm big in analytics in the right categories because every team needs to be structured around certain things. The winning teams that I've been on has had disciplined hitters, has had hackers. Kevin Euclid's most disciplined hitter I've ever been around. Mike Lowell, he'd swing at the rosin bag. 
And then you got – no, he would. And then you have me. I never swung at the first pitch. You know, I worked the counts. And then you got Manny and David who could do whatever the hell they want because guess what? They, they, they've earned that right. Then you have J.D. Drew who worked the count. You had Coco Chris. He's a hacker. You know, so you have to you have to supplement your team with both if you want to win. And you look at every year teams that win, they have both of those. The Houston Astros, they hack. But then they have some guys that take pitches and walk. The Royals, when they had those couple years, they hack. Eric Hosmer is swinging everything. You know what I mean? <laughs> but then you have, you know, Moose and those guys. Moose will put in a bat on you. He'll, he'll take yeah. an eight, nine pitch at bat. So you have to have both. And that's where I think the game's kind of gone away from is you're adding, you're not having both in lineups. You're having one certain area to where everyone's trying to go deep. Everyone's trying to, you know, we're all playing for the three-run home run. And that that's great. But half the time you do it in one game and score 20, you know. Because right, you, right, you get a guy exactly. out of the bullpen that has a bad game or a starter that's not as good as the front-line guys, and you crush them. That's so good, dude. I want to go back, PD, because I was I was the same way you were. I was a, I was like, how many runs am I creating? How many runs am I driving? Or talk to some of the analytics guys because working on the network, you know, we get all these stats and all this stuff, blah blah blah. And the one argument that bothers me so bad is that RBIs are a team, uh, you know, team created thing. It doesn't really matter, blah blah blah. And I had a conversation with Jim Leland one time, and I said, Hey, why is Miguel Cabrera winning the Triple Crown? But everyone says Mike Trout should win the MVP. And he said, you know what, Case? This is the reason why. At the end of the game, when the reporters come up to me and they say, hey, Jim, what happened tonight? What, what do I say? I say, hey, listen, we didn't get the big hit. And what happens when we win the game? Hey, we got the big hit. Miguel Cabrera so got the big hit. Can you talk about the difference of guys that can drive in runs and the guys that can't? Because I know for me, when I came up in a big situation with guys on base, the elevation of the stress or anxiety was a little more, and I had to learn to control that to be a, a good player that drove in runs. Can you talk about the RBIs a little bit and, and why you why you think that's an important stat, or if you do? Yeah, it, it being being an RBI guy, it's it's an art, in my opinion. You you have to you have to know situations. You have to know who's pitching to you. You know, for me, I was always you know I hit third of one year in thirteen. And I hit fourth when David got hurt every now and then, but I hit first or second. You know, I was a table setter. So I knew my role is to score runs. But there were obviously opportunities where, you know, I was fortunate that David hit behind me and he was, he was the RBI guy. But when I got some lefties, late bullpen guys, they, they kind of pitched around me because of the matchup. So I knew that and I knew who was behind me. So I would take my walk because they're trying to expand, you know, runner on third, one out. You know, they're not going to serve up – a lefty's not going to come right into my wheelhouse because it's it's easier for me to hit him than David. It's it's harder for lefty-lefty. It's tough. So, you know, I knew I could take the walk because David Ortiz would always – he had a knack for an RBI. I mean, you know, like anybody. He'll have lefty-lefty, yeah. and he'll see a shift, and he'll stay in there, and he will purposely hit a ground ball to short and run a ball through, you know, for to win. And that's, you know, th that's the game. You know, he would hit a ground ball and get out to get an RBI because he's playing the game. He's looking at the game differently. He's not looking at the game of, oh, my job is to hit home runs. My job is to be a run producer and this and this. No, he's looking at it as if I play within my team's environment and do what I'm asked to do, one, I'll have the numbers, and two, we'll win, and you get more notoriety. Like, you, you know, so I was fortunate. I played with superstars that had team-first mentality. So having a knack for the RBI, I played with so many guys. Mike Lowell was the king of it. You know, he'll yeah. hit a ground ball to second base, and, and it'll say 4-3 in the, in, the, in the box score, and you'll look up. Mike will go one for three with three RBIs. And I'm like, what in the Sam L is this guy doing? <laughs> and then you look up, and we win the game 5-3. to three. You, you know, there's just guys – there's a reason why guys win. You know, there's a reason why Mike Lowell won in Florida, won in Boston. Like, you know, you just – they play the game the right way. And now I think you're losing – a lot of guys are, are told, hey, this is who you are as an offensive player, you know. There's, they, they're not multidimensional, you know. If you're coming up to the minor leagues, they want you to be somebody, right? That's, and once – I was lucky when I came up to the minor leagues because I wasn't very fast. I always had great hand-eye. I hit doubles. I could hit home runs. And finally I asked our hitting guy – 
I said, hey, what kind of offensive player am I? He goes, what do you mean? I said, well, am I a power guy? Am I a table setter? Am I a, a high average guy? So I asked the question. I, I don't care. I don't fear anything. You know, I have no <laughs> ego or nothing. And the guy goes, well, you're all, you're, you're everything. You have to be everything if you want to be great in the big leagues. So that was my mindset. I'm not a home mm -hmm. run hitter. I can be. Am I a doubles guy? Hell yeah. But I can be a singles guy too. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? I can hit a ground ball the second anytime I want to drive in a run. And that's what I took pride in doing. And that's what makes you a better offensive player. And I think today's game, it's not like that. It's everybody's going up there with their approach, which is theirs. It's not the team's, you know. And they're trying to do what they do. And that's either leave the yard or walk or whatever it is they choose to do. Yeah. Let's swing it back. I love this conversation, but you talked a little bit about the minor leagues. I want to swing it back to your time at Arizona State with Pat Murphy. Can you talk yeah. about, you know, you came and you weren't drafted out of high school. You go to Arizona State. Um, you, 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 you come right in, and I think you were defensive player of the year twice, right? College yeah. defensive player of the year, playing shortstop, which, you know, obviously that's at a high level. Can you talk about, is that where your – did Pat Murphy help you with your approach that you took in the, in the pro, pro baseball? Oh, 100%. When I got to college, I got to college, I pulled everything. I didn't hit the ball the other way. Like, they could have closed down from the middle of the field that way. And Murph just said, hey, listen, man, you're not very big. He, he changed my career my, going into my sophomore year. He said, you're not very big. You're not very strong. You have one tool, your hand-eye coordination, and it's elite. He goes, I've never seen anything like it. And I'm like, okay. I go, so what the hell do I do? Because I'm hitting the ball. I'm booking the third base coach who should be wearing happy equipment. You know? So he goes, listen, this is how what we're going to do. We're going to – corner hitting is going to be your specialty. And I go, what the hell is that? And he starts laughing. He, says, he goes, you're not fast, Dustin. You need to – anything soft, we're going to pull it down the left field line for doubles. I'm like, okay. He goes, anything hard and away from you, you're trying to hit a line drive over first base for a double and maybe a triple. <clears throat> He goes, wow. you got to play to the corners. You're the act, exact opposite of every major league, every player. You know, stay to the middle of the field, hit the gap, gap to gap. Murph goes, your hand-eye coordination is so good, I want you target shooting. I want you hitting the ball down each line, you know, and just play the game. And that, that created my mindset was fastball away, let it travel, mm. shoot it over first base, and that's a double. Your slugging percentage goes up. Your on-base goes up. So – is basically him, you know, telling me, hey, you can do all these things that all the scouts and all the analytic people like, but you got to be smart enough to do it your way. You know, you got to create extra bases that way. You're not very fast. He goes, guess what? You got to steal third on a reliever. Like, mm. they want to see 20 stolen bases, right? And I'm like, yeah, they do. I go, how are you going to do it? He goes, when there's a reliever in there, one four, one five, shuffle off second. Go. Wow. Get to third base with less than two. So pick and choose. Play the game right. And when I learned that at, at 18 years old, yeah. you know, then I have three years to advance that. So when I get drafted, it didn't matter where I got drafted. And I told every team that. I said, I'm going to sign, and I'll be in the big leagues in a year and a half. That's awesome. <laughs> That's unbelievable. And they're looking at me like, what's wrong with you? I said, no, no, no. My game's going to play up there. Just give it time. Mm -hmm. let, let me be me. You know, because I had one good tool, hand-eye coordination. I could play defense, what? but I could hit and place the ball where I wanted. I'll be fine. So it, it took some time. I took some lumps in the beginning, but Pat Murphy changed a lot of, of, of my career. Going back, Petey, going back, Petey, to that, to your, to your junior year when you got drafted, I read an article where you said that, you know, you, you, it was the first time you thought about, you know, not being 6'4 and 230 because somebody said, you, you, you obviously know you're one of the best players in the game. And you know your eye-hand coordination, elite, defensively, everything. And someone said, hey, listen, you might not be a high draft because of your size, right? And was that, was that, did you, was that obviously not the first time you thought about it, but was that like a, was that a chip on your shoulder you always carried? Like, nah, that, you know, that doesn't matter. Uh, well, I didn't think about it until I, you know, you, they do those, uh, uh, you, you have some meetings in the fall with scouts, like the area guys, and, and you go through the process. And I met with a, a, a Padre scout, and he goes, you know, Dustin, we love you. And they were picking. I think they were actually picking first. I knew I was going to go first pick. I mean, let's just be real. 
<laughs> so he go, you know, he, he says to me, he goes, you know what? I tell our people that you're the best player in the country. And if you were three or four inches taller, you'd be the first pick of the draft. So I, I remember when he said that to me, the only thing in my brain was, you would pick me first if I was this much taller? <laughs> Unreal. And, and, and I said that to him. I said, sir, you know me. I'll say, I tell everybody the truth. It's no, no lie. I looked at him and I said, do you mean to tell me you would, you would call your boss and say 100% you're picking Dustin Pedroia first if he's that much taller? And he goes, he looked at me and he goes, yeah, I, I would because I can justify that pick. And so I, I'll never forget that. And I took that into that season going, you know what? I don't care where I get drafted. Everyone's going to get drafted before me. I'm going to be better than all of them. And sure enough, that's why I'm so proud of playing with the Red Sox my whole career because they're the team that drafted me. They're the team that said, and I was their first pick. They didn't, have, they didn't pick anybody else before me. So when I got to them, they couldn't wait to pick me. They could give a shit about this. You know what I mean? Right. And that's why to play my whole career there, it, I, I'm so proud of that because I didn't want to play for anybody else because no one, everyone else passed on me. Screw them. You know what nice. I mean? I wanted to do it yeah. all for the team that, that went out on a limb and said, this is our guy. Yeah, especially for a guy like Theo Epstein. Like, if you're getting drafted by Theo Epstein, you know he's broken down every analytic you can break down. Look at it. So when he's taking you with the first pick, he, you know, he's not looking at anything but no. This guy's hand-eye coordination, bat to ball, work ethic. It's at an it's at another level. And I think you know when I when I see you getting drafted by Theo, I think man, this guy obviously obviously knew what he was looking at. Yeah, he did, he he did all right with that one. <laughs> he did all right. Yes. Petey, dude, I've played with a lot of a lot of dudes. I played 12 years in the big leagues. I played with some of the greatest players ever. Ken Gravy Juniors, David Ortiz's, you know, just down the line, a ton of great, great players. But dude, I no one that I played with had the mentality you had, bro. I, I still remember 2008 when I, in the locker room, I think it was at spring train, I looked at you, I was like, dude, this guy must be jacked like Arnold Schwarzenegger. Like for the, his size, the way he hits the ball, this guy must be ripped, slap Jack Diesel. I'm going to get <laughs> on his weightlifting program. I remember you took off your shirt. I'm like, wow, that's that's one of the best players in baseball. Next thing you know, you're winning that 2008 MVP. I'm like, you got to be kidding me, right? But, yeah. but the one thing was when I heard you talk, bro, if you were on the other side of the room and you heard Dustin Pedroia talk, you'd say, oh, yeah, the guy on the other side of the wall, he's 6'7", 330. Strong, most jacked human being that's ever, that's ever lived. You know what I mean? Where did you get the mentality that you have, bro? Because I know that's what made you one of the greatest players of all time. Where did you get that? Um, I don't know. I've always had it. I, I just from playing as a little kid. My my goal was always to win a game and and have a presence about it and tell everybody I'm going to do it. You know, you you basically you know how it is. Sometimes you talk yourself into things. You know, <laughs> right. you could be struggling and. You get in there and you're like, I'm all right. I'm going to get three hits today. And, right. you know, but you have that feeling deep down was you're like, there ain't no fucking way I'm getting three <laughs> <laughs> You know what I mean? So I think I, I was, I'm always very positive and I don't want anybody to see uh, weakness in me because you can't with me. I'm not very big. I, like you said, with my shirt, I don't look good. You know, I have to have a mindset that I'm not going to lose. It doesn't matter. You know, you might beat me once or twice, but eventually I'm going to chop you down. <laughs> and and that was my mindset, and I had to have it, you know, and, and that's just who I am. Oh, my God, this is so good. When you got to the minor leagues, man, and talk about that mentality, because I was, I was reading another article. Well, they drafted you first, you know, and obviously I know you were probably like, let's go, like William Wallace. To the moon, to the big leagues, right? Yeah. When you when you first got drafted, they were like, "Hey, let's do a little Dustin Bajoya plan. Let's have him come in." And, yeah. You know, can you talk about that? And then and then what happened? You know, after they tried to do that to you. <laughs> well, I I get drafted. They, you know, I sign. I go to. I tell them I'm not going to short season. I'm like, I, I don't have time for that. So <laughs> they sent me to Low A. Yeah, they sent me to Low A Augusta, and we were in last place. I think we were 12 games out of first. And I get there, and they had Brandon Moss, who was the best player in the league. Um, you know, they so I get there, and they say you can't play for five to six days because one, your contract has to go through MLB, which was BS. They they thought I wasn't in shape because obviously, you know, when I take my clothes off, they're like, "Who in the hell is this?" Guy? <laughs> you know. 
So I'm taking BP the first couple of days, and and I mean, you know, I mean, my BP is not impressive. You know, they they hit me ground balls. I'll field every ground ball. I'll throw it to first, right on time. Uh, it's not impressive. Um, so our manager's calling, you know, Ben Sherrington, who was our farm director, like, hey man, this guy, like, he ain't ready. You know what I mean? I don't think he's ever going to be ready. And so Ben laughs, you know, he's like, hey, he'll be fine. Don't worry. And so day three comes around. I tell the manager, I'm like, hey, listen, chief, if you don't play me, I'm going home. I'll, I'll do something else. So he goes, first off, relax. And I said, no, I'm serious. So he doesn't play me the third day. The fourth day we go to Asheville and I, and I literally went in his office and I grabbed the lineup card and I said, Hey man, I'm not in it. You might want to change that. It's time. So Dad Epperson, he goes, calls up, you know, Ben, Theo, the whole group. And he's like, Hey, this guy's borderline insane. And he's starting to leave if he doesn't play, he goes, he, he you know, he's keeps saying he's wait. I'm wasting his time. He's got other things to do, you know? So finally he puts me in the lineup. And case it was a fucking rocket show from the start. <laughs> I went four for four. four for I go four. four for four with like four RBIs, five runs scored. I walked. <laughs> we ended up winning the game. We killed them. We win nine in a row. We get in three brawls. We end up. We end up. We end up sweeping the number one team to tie for first place because they went on a losing streak. So we're in first. The manager comes in. That it's like the twelfth day I'm there, and he go he sits me down. He goes, "Hey, you want a beer?" I'm like, "No, I don't want no damn beer." What the hell are you talking about? You know what I mean? We just want a ball game. I ain't drinking no beer. You, you know me. I don't drink. I don't need. Yeah, I know. I know. So he goes. He's like, "Hey, man. Um, you know, I, I was happy to coach you. I, I didn't think a lot of you at the start." He goes, "But you're going to high A. You got no business wow. being here. You were right." And I'm like, "You damn right. I got no business being here. That's what the hell's awesome. the matter with you?" So they moved me and Brandon Moss up together, and we caught up with, like, David Murphy, Pap, Lester, you know, Manny Del Carmen. So we all came up together, and it was – dude, it was fun. Yeah, wow. dude, what a what a crew you guys had coming up. I remember being with yeah. the, with the with you guys in 08, and I'm like, look at these young guys. These guys are, like, yeah. superstars. Like, they – what an unbelievable job the Red Sox have done at drafting and developing these freaking absolute studs that all came up in the minor leagues together. Petey, can you talk about when you first got to the big leagues in 06? You know, you kind of scuffled out the gates. Like, how did yeah. that experience help you in 06 and at the beginning of 07? Well, I I had um I never really struggled before. So I get I get called up and we had just lost five games to the Yankees in Boston. It was a bloodbath. <laughs> and I met the team in Anaheim and it was it was a tough atmosphere. So everyone was, you know, it's kind of the same thing when I Signed. you know I get called up and everyone's thinking I'm the savior and it's like I walk in and I'm not much to look at I did I wasn't in big league camp you know so it's like kind of tough you know what I mean um so I, I just I wasn't me I was trying to fit in you know I wasn't playing every every day because we had a they, they had a we had a veteran team uh we had Mark Loretta Alex Gonzalez mm -hmm. um, they were both both their contracts were up so you know Tito was very Tito wants to, I mean, he's getting them next year. You know what I mean? He, he wants to make sure that they get signed or, or play well and whatnot. So I played about 17 games. I hit like 190. But I think everybody could tell my work ethic, and I w it was going to happen. So follow forward to 2007, I started slow out of the gate. I think my first 60, 70 at-bats. We were in first place. We were winning. I was playing great. Playing my defense kept me in the big leagues. No doubt. I played defense I helped win some games playing defense I was hitting 160 and I remember the meet you know everyone's getting on me because I was the weakest link on a team that was in first place and I remember my mindset was man if I could just find a way to get it going we would be unstoppable you know because I'm the weakest link and I know I could do it um and we went to Minnesota and we're facing Johan and I, I remember I think I was hitting 160, and then we were going to go to Toronto. We were on a 10-day road trip, so we, I was getting away from Boston, and you know, because every at bat that you get out mounts there. You know, <laughs> big time, big time. Yeah. So we're in Minnesota. I'm facing Johan, and I get three hits and two walks in the game. Wow. So I go from 170 to 189, 190. 
you know, the next day we face Sydney Ponson, I get three more. So I get to 210 and I'm like, all right, I see a light. <laughs> like, you, you know what I mean? And then we oh, yeah. end up going to Toronto and I hit my first home run. I think it was Victor Zimbrano. I took him deep, had two more hits. The next day, I think we were Toma Oka, I had three. So by the time I got back to Fenway after that 10-day road trip, I was at 270. Wow. You know? That's crazy. So I got back, and I was like, this ain't the asshole you were booing 10 days ago, bitch. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, daddy's here, and daddy ain't going away. Dustin, was so there? That, was, that's in my yeah. mindset. That's what I was thinking. So it just takes one week, one something to click for, for you to gain confidence. Because everybody didn't have confidence in me. I was dog shit. And I'll, I'll be the first one to tell you. I was trying to hit home runs every swing. You see the monster and you're like, that. you could spit and touch it. You know what I mean? So I had to get back to Pat Murphy's corner hitting, get back to being who I am. You know, I'm not, I'm not everybody else. I, I'm not strong. I can't backspin a ball out of the stadium. That's not me. Like, be who I am. And they'll love me when they find that out. But I just got to find a way to get to that point. Because every I had, you know, obviously my minor league success spe- spoke for itself. But I had my coaches there going, "Hey, leave him alone. He's gonna find a way. Trust me. And when he does, you, you're not even gonna believe what he can do." So Tito trusted our minor. He trusted Ron Johnson. He trusted Todd Klaus, Effie. He trusted the managers I played for that he's gonna do it. That's awesome. What, Dustin, was there during those struggling times? Was there a vet or one of the vets? who did kind of help you through it? Or did you just internalize and go, I don't want to talk to anybody until I start hitting? No, I, Alex Cora and Mike Lowell um, were were huge in, in helping me out. You know, and, and a- AC was playing second over me when I was struggling. And he, you know, his job at that time was to help teach me how to be a big leaguer. Theo signed him to a two-year deal. You know, Alex tells me, oh, dude, they overpaid me for to do this job. And he goes, you know what? I'm going to do it. And mm-hmm. he helped me every step wow. of the way. Um, and and I mean, we're family. I mean, they're, they're, I mean, obviously everyone knows that how close we we were then and and are now. Um, but when I was tough, everybody thought I stunk except Alex. You know, and I mm-hmm. and I know at the time it was deep in him. He's like, I don't know if this kid's going to do it. You, you know <laughs> what I mean? But it, I no never way. saw that in him. I mean, now we can talk about it. And he's like, hey, what the hell were you doing? <laughs> you, know, you know, but he never he never wavered. You know, he said, hey, listen, you're you're the second baseman. You're the, you're going to be a, a you know, he kept positive stuff teaching me the game. Hey, when you're not playing, you're watching for this. You're looking for that. Um, so it that struggle and that first you know month and a half, it helped me learn the game. You know, but I wasn't the one that that was going to sit back and feel sorry for myself. There ain't no way in hell that's going to happen. I'm I'm going to listen to the guy that's been there for 10 years and go, oh, my God, if I want to do this, I need to learn from him. He's not trying to take my job. He's trying to help me win a job. You know, it, it doesn't matter what team you're playing for. You, you want to be a big leaguer for a long time. And I got to learn from the best guys doing it. You know, that's such a great story because I felt the same way coming up, like a guy like Barry Larkin or some Greg Vaughn, guys that kind of taught me the game and, and sometimes believed in me more than I believed in myself. Yeah. And, you know, and that's a great lesson. Like, did you find yourself as you moved on, Petey, like, did you find yourself reacting the same way to some young players? Oh, yeah. I mean, but towards the end of my – from <clears throat> after we won in 13, we in 14, we, we brought a lot of our young guys up, Mookie, Jackie. Um, Middlebrooks was there. Uh, Vasquez came up. Bogarts. So we had transitioned really fast, and from winning the World Series to hey, we're gonna give you know six position players an opportunity. And and it, it's tough when you do you know you can mix in one or two and still be fine. But when you're adding five six young guys, you're you're gonna take some lumps. And I knew that. Um, so my job was to to you know, lead and, and be there for them. And you, you're going to have ups and downs. You're going to have growing pains. You're going to, you're going to do stupid. You're going to miss a cutoff and have the guy go, oh, you know, home to second and double plays, not in order. That's going to happen. So you got to prepare for it. Um, so I had some, I had patience like Alex, you know, when, when things did happen, I'm not going to blow anybody up, you know, 
you know, after the game, I'm going to call, you know, Mookie or Jackie over and go, hey, hey, we got to keep the double play in order because, you know, obviously in big leagues, it's hard to get out of innings. So, you know, it, it gives us more of a chance to get out of one if we have the double play in order, you know, especially if you're not 100 percent sure you're going to throw the guy out. You know what I mean? You've got to throw through the cutoff, just things like that. Um, and I think they appreciated the way I went about it. I'm not during the game going to run out there and start screaming at, you know, Jackie, that guy is the hardest working guy on the planet. You know what I mean? It's not like, Jackie, what the hell are you doing? You know what I mean? The guy's diving off the wall like a pinball, catching balls like, you know, his effort, you, you love and you can see, you know, I can see with Bogarts, you know, he would, you know, be slower to plays than a, and I'm like, Bo, you got to give me the ball. You know, just things like that. So you take your lumps with them, and they appreciate it in the long run. And then you look at 2018, all of those guys that we took the lumps together were there. The only shitty yeah. part is I couldn't be out there with them because got my knee blown out. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, that uh, But But I could see a part of me in every one of their games. And, and it's just like what Alex did to me. If you look at – I mean, shoot, I stole 100, like you said, 38 or 40 bases, whatever the yeah. hell it was. At, and with my speed, and that's Alex teaching me when to go, when not to go, how to get jumps, you know, things like that. So he appreciated it. You know, every success that I had, he was a part of. Talk about learning the game. Like I know you talked about Alex and Mikey Lowell and all these great guys that taught you the game that you taught some of the younger guys the game. I saw your relationship with Terry Francona when I was there. You would show up like eight hours early to play cribbage with the guy. I'm like, hey, the only two guys in the clubhouse are Dustin Pedroia and Terry Francona freaking playing cribbage in Tito's office and like they're they're loving it and then you'd go play like you'd go take seven hours of grounders I'm like how's this guy freaking ready for the game he just took he played cribbage for an hour with Tito and took seven hours of grounders and he's still raking you know can you talk about yeah. Tito and your relationship with him and what he meant for your career oh he was he was the best I mean he gave me the freedom to play and um and I think that's you know, as a young player, that's all you want. You know, you don't want to have to look over your shoulder and, and go, gosh, if I mess up, am I, am I getting sent out or am I not playing or, you know, and, and, you know, to his credit, I didn't do a lot of stupid things. You know, it, fundamentally, I was always sound to where defensively, you were never going to have a problem. Um, offensively, I understood my role and understood that, you know, the situations of the game. Um, you know, if we're down two in the ninth and I'm and, and it's three one on me, I'm not going to swing three run because three two I'm going to get the same pitch and I'm going to get you. You know what I mean? There's he, he might throw a ball three one and I walk and the tying run comes to the plate. So I had a good sense of how to play the game. So I think that helped Tito go, hey, this I'm going to give this kid the freedom to just go be him, play the game, and not worry about it. Um, and and that that's all you can ask for. You know, he would be open with communication. Hey, let me know when you need a day off which, you know, I never said that. So every now and then he could tell and he'd go, hey, listen, man, you're not playing tomorrow. We got an off day Monday. You're done. Don't put your cleats on. And, I, you know, I was always still the first one in the damn dugout like an idiot. But, <laughs> I know. you know, <laughs> just I think that our relationship, it was it was perfect, man. And, and, you know, our sense of humors, you know, we're right on the same page. You know, when, when times were tough, you know, he'd crack a joke and I, you know, smart back and things like that to keep the atmosphere loose. Um, because in that environment, it's tough. I mean, you know, I mean, you, you can have, you know, we, we, we've been through a lot. Um, you know, fans get on you, everyone gets on you. So you have to keep the mood and the atmosphere, you know, fun, um, positive. Um, obviously, the goal is to win the championship, win the World Series every year. Um, and that can wear on you. You know, it's not like you can ever have a down year in Boston. Your life's on the line. So, <laughs> it's so true. <laughs> you know, we knew that, and uh, it was a perfect match, and, and I owe everything to him. He, he was everything to me. Dude, looking at what he, how he impacted you, I know I have had a lot of great managers that have impacted me. Tito being one of them. Would Would Dustin Pedroia ever want to manage one day? Oh uh, yeah, I want to. Um, you know, not not now. You know, my kids, my my youngest is seven, so he's got ten more years until he goes off to college, and then and then I want to get into it. Um, you know, so I, I basically look at it as I got 10 years to study everything there possibly is. So when, when I start up, it's go time um, because, you know, me, I don't like to lose, um, you know, so that's I definitely want to, um, you know, it's just a matter of time. And, uh, you know, I, I watch, every, you know, I still watch all the time and, and stay up to date on everything. And, 
you know, still in touch with the front office. They want me to have some type of role. Um, so I'm sure we'll work that out soon uh, yeah. with the Red Sox. So, um, you know, it, it's coming. Do that, bro. It's the easiest job ever. The assistant. Well, what's what's Roy doing? He's assistant to the GM. Like, what are you kidding me? He just does basically yeah. whatever he wants to do. You know, it's the greatest, <laughs> greatest job ever, uh, you know? Dude, you talk about playing in Boston because I played there and, like, it's one of the greatest places to play when you're doing well and probably one of the toughest places to play when you're not, especially as a team. And when you guys won the champ, obviously the 014 kind of broke the ice and, you know, broke the curse and everything. But bam, later, you're a huge part of that 07 team winning the whole thing. You win the rookie of the year. You dominate in the postseason. Um, what was that like, man, winning that championship and, and, the, and, the, and then the fan base, the relationship with you and the fan base from then on? Um, I mean, I didn't know any better my rookie, you know, in 2007. I mean, I, I, you know, that was the goal and it was beat into you, um, by the veteran guys, by Tito. Um, and we accomplished that. So in my mind, I'm like, we have to do that. Every, that's, that's the plan. Like right. it should be like this every year. If we don't do this, we didn't do our job. Um, so that helped me as a young player of, you know, you never want to play a big league game. That's not meaningful. Um, and and I was lucky that we we always had teams that could compete. You know, apart from a couple years where you know you knew we had young players, but if our young players would have you know take a huge step, we would we'd have been right there. But you know, people come along at different paces. You know, so there was a couple years where we didn't not have a chance, but we were right there. Um, but we were always competing for a title, and that's what you want. You know, and and every year. I, I showed up to Fort Myers and it was like, this is all right. This is the year we're winning the world series. Um, and obviously it, you have to have luck. You have to be healthy. A lot of things have to go right. So, you know, some years you, you like 2008, that was so tough and we would have yeah. done it if, if not for injuries, we had yeah. our pitchers went down late in the year, you know, Beckett wasn't healthy uh lester remember lester uh was pitching yeah. with a dang oblique deal yeah. and yeah. i don't even know how the hell he was throwing the ball um <laughs> it was just one of those things and we took the race to game seven yeah and oh. jd's getting rung up on pitch outs <laughs> <Jesus laughs> christmas um you know and it took a took a big home run to beat us off lester i think remember willie ibar hit that home run yeah uh we lose game seven um so, I mean, what just pissed you, me, have, what you pissed have to me, have breaks. What pissed me off about that year, bro, is first off, reading Tito's book, he says, you know, all those teams, the 04 team was great, 07. He said the most talented team might have been the 08 team. And that was the best yeah. team I probably ever played on. And I look back at my career. It was my last year of my career. I'm like, man. And what, you know what drove me crazy is Longoria has like five homers. B.J. Upton, and they had the series of their life. And we still lost in game seven. Like, it still bothers me. And you you let off game seven. You let off the game with a homer, right? You took Garza deep. Yeah. First game, yeah. first uh, at bat. I'm like, oh, dude, here we go. We're going to get to the World Series. Because I really felt like that team could have won it all. But, like, it still bothers me. Even though I came off the bench and punched out. Like, I got in there against Edwin Jackson, I think. Like, he was like, get up there. One, two, three. See you later. Like, hey, glad I contributed to that team. Clean it up, you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, I love it. I love it. God. So, Petey, when I look back too, like I like to think back at my career at some of the guys like that I that I owned or some of the guys that owned me. So I want to start there with who's one guy that you you when you looked at the at the rotation, you go, man, I'm I'm excited to face that guy. Um, I, I hit Scott Casimir real good. Um, like he I, I crushed him. Yeah, yeah. He, <laughs> when he was he was Fuel. throwing fuzz. And he would yeah. try to come in, and it was right into my bat path. And I think I hit, like, six something off him with a oh lot of the bat. I hit, like, three or four homers off him in the playoffs, three homers off him in the playoffs. Um, you know, you know, you have those guys that just – it just – his stuff lines up with my bat path. You know, it was just one of those things. Um, I hit – who else did I hit good? Um, I can tell you who I didn't hit good. Dan Heron was my guy that I couldn't get hit off of. He threw Why? me those, he threw me those splits you. right down the middle, and I hit a grounder to short every time. It was like I was using a K100 up there, just hitting a damn fungo to short. Whoever their shortstop was was like, I don't need any ground balls today. Dustin Pedroia is going to give me all of them. 
Yeah. Dustin, oh, I got man. a question. And we were talking about this before we came on. You know, your ability to look the media in the eye, to look managers in the eye, to look people in the eye and say what's on your mind without having any concerns. But you never said anything that was wrong. But where did that come from in you being so honest and being able to almost control the media in a way where they couldn't do anything to you because you were so honest with them? Um, I mean, I, I just well, once I got to Boston, you know, they, they run you through those those media training stuff. And and I remember the one of the first things, you know, with obviously they teach you, you know, when you struggle, just own up to it. Be honest, you know, and, and I figured, you know what? OK, you know, I'll be who I am. You know what I mean? I'm never going to back down from, you know, a situation where I'm struggling or, you know, this or that. You know, you have to respect the game. You know, it is what it is. You know, I love baseball and, you know, everybody has a job to do. So when they ask you a question, I'll give them an answer. You know, you don't have to like it. You know, and and that that's it is what it is. I, I think I think people appreciate that more of, of you know accountability. You know, when when they ask you a question, you know, I just tell them an answer. You, you know, sometimes it's hard. Um, you know, but you know it is what it is. And I was lucky enough that 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 method worked in Boston. I mean, everybody knew I was I was going to be at my locker, win, lose, or draw. You know, and and we're going to talk about you know how shitty I am or how great I am. You know what I mean? And, and it is what it is. And, and I, that's, that's the way I looked at it. Well, one of the greatest quotes ever was when you were like, Oh, what do you mean? Struggling? They're about to wait till you see the laser show. About to happen. Like I bet you know, I'm like, this guy's a maniac. I wasn't even afraid when I was like, who's this guy? This guy's a freaking maniac. You know what I mean? It's, it's unbelievable. Yeah. <laughs> um, who were the guys when you were growing up, bro? Who were the guys that were, were your idols? Who were the people? the players that you modeled your game after? So I was a Giants fan, and that was – we had they had, you know, Brett Butler, Robbie Thompson, Will Clark, Kevin Mitchell, Candy Maldonado, you know, and they were – you know, they obviously always won, but they played a certain style. I mean, Will Clark, he's crazy. I mean, he's taking the extra base, popping up, going nuts. You know, Kevin Mitchell's <laughs> barehanding balls out in the yeah. outfield. You know, Robbie Thompson's moving a runner over. Brett Butler's bunting. Like, you know, so that's how I, what I watched. Um, and, you know, you know how it is when you're, when you watch, you know, your team growing up, you know, you try to model yourself after those guys. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's what I thought how you played baseball. Cause that was the only team you could watch. You know, the A's, the A's weren't, you know, I, I didn't have them on television and they had the Bash brothers. So I'm sure, I'm sure if they, they were on the TV network that I was watching, I'd be trying to hit bombs. You know what I mean? <laughs> But, you know, maybe I lucked out and, and, you know, I got to watch Matt Williams play third base, you know, and, and there, there was more, it's not, their style was more blue collar. You know, they just had to play offensive, off, to play their game offensively different than the A's. You know, the A's had Ricky, which Ricky's hitting leadoff bombs. Ricky's stealing, you know, two bases and then McGuire's hitting a homer. You know what I mean? Right. So I got to watch a different style from the Giants. Um, right. you know, to where Will Clark, he's hitting 300 with 16 homers and driving in 100 from the three hole and taking, you know, it's a different brand. Um, so I think I, I watched that and I, I, you learn the game if you sit down and actually watch it, you know what I mean? So, you know, that helped me out. It's funny you say that, bro, because Will Clark was literally my idol growing up. Like I wanted to be yeah. Will Clark. I even watching the college world series back when he was with Mississippi state, I'm like, He'd, he'd score, he'd, you know, he'd always hit the double, he'd give it the pop-up, you know, the pop-up slap. And I'm like, I love this yep. guy. He's, he's a freaking maniac, you know. So yep. it's funny you say that about the Giants because I, I love those teams a ton. I got one, one, one more question about, about Fenway Park because I never figured this out. I don't know if you, if you remember, this, remember this story. I remember one day we're playing the Orioles. I come up, boom, I, I rock it one off the monster. I go for two. I'm like, yeah, that's two, baby. That's in the gap. I go for two. Freaking, it, it ricochets off. Boom, I get thrown out a second. I'm like, what the hell? I'm out by 20 feet, right? I slide in. So I'm like, that's unbelievable. Then the next day, I crush one to right center. I thought it was a homer, a little pimp job out the box. A little bit of hip flexor. I'm slow with a bad hip flexor and a pimp job. That's not a good combination. I'm rounding first, <laughs> first base, and I'm going to second. All of a sudden, ball hits the top of the fence, comes back. Nick Marcake is bare hand thrown in. I'm like, I'm rounding second, just bad running technique. I'm like, oh my God, it's so bad. And I'm like, we got a situation here. Marcakis throws me out from right center, right? And, yeah. and I come in, and, and I don't remember, but I come up. 
I put my helmet down. I'm sitting on the I'm sitting on the bench. The crowd's like, "You suck. You're slow. Don't go to second. I'm like, "I know. I know, you know." So the T- Tito's like, "Hey, Case, can I talk to you real quick?" I'm like, "Yeah, what's up, Tito?" He's like, "Hey, listen, man. I don't know what's going on." He's like, "Is there any chance you might have polio?" Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh. That's the best. <laughs> it's unbelievable. So, you a guy that's played in Boston whatever 14 years. Can you talk about when did you go to like you have how when do you go to second when you hit off the monster? How do you have the monster read? So basically, <clears throat> my earlier years, I was I I tested everything. You know what I mean? Uh, <laughs> and I knew as a second baseman, if it's going to be bang bang, it's really hard because you don't see where the runner is to put a tag on. So I knew if the play was going to be close, I would go. I'd be aggressive. But I knew if it was if it was a risk. I'd stop. You know what I mean? So, right. But that takes time to learn because, you know, you know how it is in baseball. When you hit a double, you want a double. Right, right. You know what I mean? You've earned it. But there's times where you're like, especially at Fenway, you can hit a home run to left field, and it could be a single. So right. you, you, have to, you have to understand that in the end, it's going to take away some home runs and doubles. It's going to give you a lot more singles. Even in right field and in left field, you can hit a fly ball down the left field line. That's a can of corn in, in every other stadium, and it tips the wall for a, a single or a double. You get one, right? And then you could flip a fly ball into right because it's 390 feet to dead right. It's a bomb, and the wow. right fielder could be playing, you know, doubles, and you get a single. You, you know, it'll get. So you have to mentally prepare. Hey, listen, I'm gonna get some years. I'm gonna get 10 extra hits. And it's going to take away six. You know what I mean? So you just have to mentally prepare. Hey, it's the ballpark we play in. You have to embrace it and play the game right. Be smart. But doing it for one year, hell yeah, you're going to get thrown out at second because it's you get fired up. You know what I mean? Yeah. But it takes time. I'm like, I'm like, every other ball I've hit in the gap there is a double. Like, I just go. And I'm like, why am I out by 20 feet? You know what I mean? This is ridiculous. Yeah. You know? <laughs> Double yeah. people. All right, Petey, the last thing is, bro, we play this We play this game called 9 and 90. Chinch, tell, tell Petey how it's played. All right, it's very simple. We never know how to explain this right, but very simple. I'll just ask questions. Is it this or that question? Sean answers first, and then you just pick it up right on the back end. I'm going to put stupid okay. music on it in the back. All right, ready, guys? Ready, Case? Start now. Yeah, let's do it. First yeah. one, what's worse, being tired or being hungry? Oh, being hungry is way worse. Way worse. Being, uh, hungry. Okay. Worst friend, one who never offers to pay or one who always cancels at the last minute? Oh, man. Uh, one who cancels. There's nothing worse than, like, you're like, hey, bro, we going to lunch? They're like, no, I can't go again. I'm like, what did I do? <laughs> yeah, I'd probably the same. Same. Okay. <laughs> you need one RBI, Manny or Poppy? Wow. Oh, wow. No, Poppy. Serious. Poppy. Yeah, I'm going David, too. 100%. Right. Just a little yeah. lighter. Billy Madison or Happy Gilmore? Uh, Happy Gilmore. Happy. Happy Gilmore. Happy! <laughs> yeah! <laughs> All right. I think this is an easy one. Fireworks show or laser show? I'm going to go with the, la- the Dustin Bajoy laser show. Laser show. Regular laser show. <laughs> yep. That's an easy one. All right, your next life. You can come back as a cheetah or an eagle. Which one, Sean? Oh, man, I'm going to have to come back as an eagle because I, I, just to be able to fly would be unbelievable. To be able to run like a cheetah, that would be fun, but flying like an eagle would be awesome. <laughs> right. Yeah, I'm scared of heights. I'm going cheetah. Dude, 100%. <laughs> All right. Duck boats, overrated or underrated? Duck boats. Uh, duck boats are overrated. <laughs> underrated. They're the best. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. Wash the dishes immediately or wait until the sink is full? Oh, you know what? I'm a wash the dishes immediately guy. I can't stand the sink being full. It's just, it, I, I start yelling at the kids. I'm like, let's go, kids. Break it, do your chores and get the dishes in the dishwasher. Yep, I'm dishwasher, so 
nothing's getting stacked up. I don't put them away right away. I just throw them in there, and the kids will take them out of the dishwasher in a couple days. Beautiful. <laughs> All right, last one. A movie made about your life. Who's playing you, Matt Damon or Ben Affleck? Uh, probably Ben Affleck. He'd play me. Okay. Because well, yeah. uh, wow. he was Batman. Yeah, I'll probably go Matt Damon. <laughs> nice. Yeah. In fact, actually, if we put a movie together about Sean Casey and and Dustin, <laughs> it could be Affleck and Damon. <laughs> yeah. You guys. Yeah. <laughs> right, that's it. Thanks, man. That sounds perfect. Hey, Love Petey, it. thanks. Petey, thank you so much, brother. You got it's so, it. Bro, it's so good to see you, dude. And I can't wait to see you here soon. Hopefully, you know, wherever. We'll cross, our, our paths will cross. But thanks a lot, man. Thanks for making thanks the adjustment, so much, man. too, bro. All right, you I got it, Rich. Would. I knew you thanks, would. Thanks, bro. Love You're you, the brother. Best, man. I'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Petey. You're the Okay, man. So awesome, man. Dude. Dude. I just, I get, like, like when he started, like, grinding his teeth, talking, like, taking back, like, I, I'm a, you know, I, I don't know. I'm, I guess I have a similar personality to that where you just, I was getting excited. Like, I would, how about if he becomes a manager one day? How great dude, of a manager will he be? Dude, he will be the best manager, man. Mm -hmm. he, he has to. Like, like the game needs Dustin Pedroia. Like, yes. I, I know. And I love what he's saying, though. You know, he's got his three kids, you know, his three sons. You got yeah. you got to raise your kids. It's the same, same way with me. I, you got to raise your kids. But, you know, Petey's still young. What is he, 30, about to be 38 years old? Yeah. So, you know, I, I think, Plenty like, you know, he's still going to be young when he has a chance to manage when his kids are gone. So the game needs Dustin Majoria, and I hope he gets in there with the assistant GM job or whatever, That'd you know, awesome. or assistant to the GM or whatever that, whatever that is, you know what I mean? So he's so great, man. Just, yeah. you know what I love about Petey? Like, when he talks, his passion for the game, like, Probably yeah. the greatest IQ I ever played with. A guy that just, like when he talks about the cutoffs, the relays, he knew where to go with the ball like no one else I'd ever seen. He was thinking four, five, six steps ahead of people, yeah. especially defensively. And, uh, you know, it was something special. But when you hear him talk about his story, uh, just about some of the, you know, chips he had on his shoulder about, you know, what people said, you know, he's too small to this. No, he, he was like, no, I'm a killer. And yeah. when I get across those white lines, no one's stopping me. And I just yeah. – you know, you just loved, loved to look back at Dustin George's career and go, that guy did it right. And that guy was right. one of the best teammates ever. Three championships for the Red Sox. You know, a, a, just a, the ultimate gamer, man. I think of Pete Rose, you know, as far as yeah. on the baseball field, how comp. he played the game. I think of Dustin yeah. Pedroia, like that Pete Rose comp. Right. And think about it this way. Baseball, I, I put this more difficult than any other sport like for him to walk into his manager's office and go i'm playing today and then get four hits and back it up that's like right that's not i don't think most people know how crazy that is to do something like that because you're yeah. at the mercy of the game but the guy yeah. has such and balls the, that the, the game he was, not, yeah. he was gonna get four hits in that game it sounds like yeah, no well, oh what. there's no doubt the game was so hard his eye hand coordination was so elite though that i think mm -hmm. his belief in himself plus that you know made him one of the best second basin of all time so yeah you're right to just tell the coach i'm i want to get in four four two doubles a few a few weeks later he's in high a ball you know it's unbelievable yeah, yeah. There, there, there's stories of a legend you know the legend of dustin Pedroia. it's just yeah. really really awesome man the polio story is a great story too by the way <laughs> <laughs> he was there for it it was there yeah, like i think you might have heard tito tell me i was like oh man it's a tough break i was like i don't know when to run in this park it's freaking the dimensions are not that, nothing i've ever seen before yeah, you know amazing. What a oh, what a year, what a place to play though, man. To uh, play in Boston. Imagine. When I talk about Pedroia playing 14 years in Boston, to play in Boston just that one year for me is one of the greatest years of my career because mm -hmm. you know just the fans are unbelievable. They're so passionate. They're they're it's packed every night. They're 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 all in. And as a player, you feel that every night, and you're sure. all in. And so like when you talk about Petey and Big Poppy and you know Pedro and man, all those guys, even Millar being there, those guys that played all those years, man, like. Nothing better than playing in front of those that Boston crowd. Yeah, and when it yeah, and when you're going well, they they will they'll treat you like gods, right? Dude, you're royalty, bro. <laughs> you're royalty. Thank God I, I didn't struggle that year. I was like, I think I was hitting like I yeah, you wouldn't be able to. I was hitting three fifty. I was like, please don't let me struggle here in Boston. Please just let me keep <laughs> raking, you know. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, well that was awesome, man. He's a good friend of yours, and that was so cool yeah. getting to talk to him a little bit. Everything you hear about him. And everything yeah. that people respect about him, I just saw it in this one little hour just because of how awesome he was. So thanks dude, for he's the that best, out, man. man. One really? of the best teammates, teammates I ever had, man. Just a great, great dude, yeah. great friend, awesome, good people.
Great, great stuff, man. As always. All right, kid, you, you're this. good people too, bro. Yeah, I love you, <laughs> you man. Thank too. you. You're good people too, bro. One of my best <laughs> friends. I love you. Yeah, and bro. I want to tell everyone out there, man, that's, that listens to us and tunes into the mayor's office, keep joining us, man. Come on the ride with us. We're having just as much fun as you guys are. <laughs> I mean, it, it, we, we enjoy doing this every week. So everyone that's on finding us on Apple or Spotify, YouTube, you can join us on nofilter.net here, uh, you know, uh, to, to, to join us live. And it's just uh, – it's, it's a lot of fun. So thanks a lot. We're grateful for you guys. Chits, I'm grateful for you, brother. I will hey, see man, you man. next week, my man. Love you. All right, bro. Love you, too. All right.